You're listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, brand new, from Vancouver, BC, Canada's Chains of Love with You Got It. Last week on an Ardwarta Human Serviette radio show, I played a track by The Manipulators, who played their last gig ever at the Biltmore last week. The ex-keyboard player of The Manipulators, Henry, has a brand new project, and it's called Chains of Love, and you heard, you got it. Today on an Ardwarta Human Serviette radio show, interviews with Darwin Dees from New York City, and Lou Barlow from Sebado. Sebado are coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada next Friday to the rickshaw. And Lou Barlow of Sebado is also doing a free acoustic performance at Zulu Records at 7 p.m. next Friday, February 11th. Today on an Ardwater Human Serviette Radio Show, it's, as I mentioned, Darwin Dees and... 
Lou Barlow from Sebado. If you have any questions for Lou Barlow, tweet them to me at Nardwar, N-A-R-D-W-U-A-R, or call in 604-822-2487. Lou's going to be calling in in probably about half an hour on the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show. Last week on the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show, I played an interview that I did with Vancouver Canuck, Alex Burroughs. One thing that I didn't play was something that I wanted to play was an actual advert that Orlin Curtinback did way back in the day, a Vancouver Canuck legend, Orlin Curtinback. And I want to play this legendary ad. Well, I don't know if it's all that legendary, but I want to play it because Orlin Curtinback's son, Brad, played in the punk rock band Glee that spawned Mike Ledwich, who later went on to play in Zampano. And Zampano turned into, as you all know, kind of the new pornographers. So if it wasn't for Earl and Curtin back, there would be no new pornographers, perhaps? So here's an ad for Brill done by Orlin Curtinback from the 1970s, Orlin Curtinback from the Vancouver Canucks, and then right after that, an interview with Darwin Dees from New York City, and then Lou Barlow from Sebado on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. I'm talking to one of the newer residents of Vancouver, the captain of the Canucks himself, Orlin Curtinback. How do you feel about moving to Vancouver, Kurt? Well, it's almost like coming home for me. I played three seasons here before, and I loved the place. But it's a lot of work for all of us Canucks, of course, building a new team in the NHL. Well, you've sure got a lot of fans rooting for you. Say, along with a new home and a new team, haven't you got a new hairstyle? I don't think so. It looks very soft, very contemporary. Well, that's just Brill Cream. It leaves your hair soft, really natural looking, because all you need is a little dab, like they say. When did you start using Brill Cream? Back in Saskatchewan, I guess, when I uh, started noticing girls. How about your wife, Laurel? Does she like the results with Brill Cream? Sure thing, or I'd forget it. I believe in soft hair, but I'm not soft in the head. No, sir. And a lot of guys must get good reactions to soft hair. Brill Cream is Canada's best-selling hairdressing. Who are you? My name is Darwin Smith. Darwin Dees. Correct. Darwin Dees. Who else is in Darwin Dees, and who do you have beside you? This is Cole and Andrew and Greg. And together, all you guys make up? Darwin Dees. Welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, Darwin Dees. Thank you, Nardwar. Darwin, does it all go back to a tap dancer? Yeah, well, I did used to take, I started tap dancing when I was in, seventh, in, in second grade. So is Darwin here because of a tap dancer? Yes. Because I heard that the tap dancer, Miss... Michelle? D. Lawrence. D's. Mash D's. She's the reason you're here today. She got you into music and stuff, or at least she got you all New Yorked. She got me all New Yorked. That's true. Yeah. She, she was living in New York in the summer of 2002, which is when I first visited her there, and I fell in love with New York, and that's why I ended up moving there. And you had known her from North Carolina? Yeah, because we were both tap dancers, yeah. Now, how about these gentlemen over here? How many of them do you know from North Carolina, Darwin? And am I wrong to go to you as the leader of the band? No, you're not wrong. But these guys I all met in New York. Period. That's, that's the end of the story. Did you steal stuff from CSI? How did you know that? Uh, yeah, I stole a pair of... I stole a pair of... This is weird, you guys. Um, green... Asics, no, Tigers, that had been stressed to look like they were old to fit into like a squat 
set dressing thing. So they were just sitting there in this uh, vacant building behind where my apartment building is, which at the time was being used for different TV shows, and one of them was CSI. Do you still have the stuff? I think I still have those shoes somewhere. Yeah, but they're, they looked bad when I first got them, although they smelled clean, and now they look bad and smell bad, I think. From CSI to Khalees? I don't know anything about the Khalees. He, he stole, you stole from Khalees? You guys know Khalees' manager? Uh, oh, no, he was, that was a typo. He meant, uh, he meant Kelly, uh, Kelly Okarike from uh, Black Party, but he wrote Kelly, Kellis because I think he actually, uh, he wrote that um, after a period of time when he wasn't with us, so uh, I think it was misspoken and typoed or something. Well, I thought that was pretty amazing. What was I trying to get at there? Kalise. What's the background on that? Kalise, Kelly, Block Party. Uh, I think you're talking about Simon White, who's a good friend. He has a gold tooth. There was something about, and I want to fantasize about this Darwin D's band, that you guys were in England and you partied at the manager of Kalisa's house. <laughs> this is in Australia, and uh, he... And the manager of Kalisa's girlfriend was... She was Canadian, yeah. We had Canadian! We had yeah. Thanksgiving, yeah. yeah. Canadian connection. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, Kalisa's manager's girlfriend is Canadian. Canadian connection. No, but Kelly's manager. It was Kelly's, that's true, but it's Kelly's. But why can't all interviews be like this? <laughs> <laughs> but it was Kelly's manager, Kelly. That's a block party. Yeah. Uh, Kelly of Block Party's manager, Simon, was, uh, yeah, his girlfriend's Canadian, and she had an expat Thanksgiving. There was somebody from Australia and somebody from America and um, Canada, England. England. Yeah, no, no uh, South Africa, though, unfortunately. Darwin D's band, you want to base your business model on John Meyer? That was Darwin's. Uh, that was Darwin's technique to tour the Eastern Seaboard. Yeah. yeah please explain about that, John Mayer and Darwin D's. <laughs> uh, well, John Mayer, when he first started, uh, well, right, he went to Berkeley, then he dropped out, then he moved to Atlanta, and then he was touring up and down what you call. You know a lot about John Mayer. Yeah, I do know a lot about. I've I've been. I went through a John Mayer phase recently, and he did a lot of touring in the beginning of his career up and down the East Coast, which is called the Dave Matthews Band circuit. So it's based on it's based on Dave Matthews Band via John Mayer. So we tried to pl- we we made our goal to play regional shows in on the East Coast as opposed to just playing the same haunts in New York City, which is what all of our friends' bands were doing at the time. And how is the John Mayer business model paying off for Darwin D's band? Fun so far. Is it working? Uh, I think we veered off the John Mayer business model. I mean, now we're now we're maybe uh, revisiting it on this tour. A now, little bit. Now, there's one thing, and I want to ask about that John Mayer would never, ever, ever do, and that's take this bus right here. What can you tell the people about the Feng Hua bus there, Darwin? <laughs> uh, I took the Feng Hua bus from... Uh, people that don't know, what is the Feng Hua bus? Oh, it's a Chinatown bus. It goes from, uh, from Chinatown to Chinatown in various cities on the East Coast, like Boston, such as Boston to New York. And Greg and I did a tour in 2008, the summer, and Eastern Seaboard. It was Eastern Seaboard, and we were borrowing uh, his then girlfriend's Toyota Tacoma. And Greg had to go back to work on like the last day, so he left me in Richmond, and I took the Feng Hua bus home after performing the last show of the tour solo. It's kind of an interesting bus, isn't it? It uh, it smells interesting. It's had a few accidents in its history. It drives a little fast for my taste, but uh, I guess I'm a stickler for that kind of stuff. But it's very cheap. 
Very cheap. $15. $15. Which is real boring. Have you seen bands on the bus? Have there been other bands on the bus? Have you seen any bands on the bus? I don't think so. What's on the side of your bus right now? What's that sticker, that DJ Jazzy Jeff sticker? <laughs> Jeff Productions. DJ yeah. Jeff Productions. What is that? I love that. That is the guy in Oxford, North Carolina, from whom I purchased the trailer about a week before we went on this tour. That's your home base, isn't it, kind of, North Carolina? It is, yeah, after, as of, like, maybe this month or last month. I've, yeah, I've, I think I'm kind of out of New York now. Were your parents or cousins in bands at all, Darwin? Um, my uncle is in a folk band called uh, Mad Agnes, and... Uh, his dad, his mom and dad write songs. Have I heard any? Of my dad's songs? No, I don't think so. But my cousin used to be in a band with Dylan from Bare Hands, but that's so, no, nobody cares about. So give me some Earls that I can check out his dad's songs. I've just heard about one song called Party Time, and <laughs> his ex-girlfriend heard it. What's the lyrics? You gotta meet the dad. Uh, we were at a party, and there were shrimp. Shrimp. I think they talk a little bit about the food. Yeah. There were snacks and. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole vibe thing. Is that a North Carolina thing? Um, I don't know. <laughs> what about the Hard Rock Park? Have you heard about that in North Carolina? Hard Rock Park? No, what's that? Like they had the Hard Rock Cafe, they had like a Hard Rock Park, like an amusement park in North Carolina. I, I don't know. How about Myrtle Beach? Is that where you're from? I was born there, yeah. Because they have like Can-Am days, I noticed. Canadian and American days. A lot of Canadians coming down. Do you see a lot of Canadians there? In Myrtle Beach? I don't think so. We see a lot of bikers from time to time, but... I don't know about Can-Am days. And you are Darwin? Dees. Does Darwin wear a lot of disguises? No. I heard that Darwin wears disguises. He dressed up as a ninja in Birmingham. That might be what you're thinking of. <laughs> yeah, you use disguises to disguise yourself from the opening bands and the crowd. Uh, not from the opening bands. Well, I love it because, like, you're in there dancing to the opening bands. Not many bands dance to the opening bands. It both sets, right? You always do that every gig. Well, yeah, we do, the, we do that a lot. That's kind of our M.O., especially Andrew. You know, um, there was this moment where, because Darwin gets mobbed a lot, um, especially in Europe, and there was this moment where I walked up to him and I, and I tapped him on the shoulder because I wanted to say something to him, and I saw him slowly peer over me with this look of total dread. Then he realized it was me and it went away. But, you know, he can become overwhelming. Now, why is Darwin getting mobbed in Europe? People like it. What about you guys? Aren't you getting mobbed? Not quite as recognizable, I think. How did it all happen so quickly in Europe? Like, I understand, like, maybe why you're popular, because people enjoy the music, but how come so quickly? I think it just is a machine, and once you get caught up in it, then it's just, you just go. Yeah, ditto. Because the New Music Express called you, quote, a human Pez dispenser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Which I thought, hmm, you're called a human pest dispenser, and then you get popular. Well, you're a human serviette, right? I am. That's why I love it. That's what attracted me to that phrase, human pest dispenser. <laughs> yeah, yeah, food, food items and humans, you know, identity and stuff. It's interesting. What is a serviette, by the way? Is that like a napkin? A napkin in French? Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Plus, an hard word, a human serviette. It helps serve the youth. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I used when I rented out church halls. It was the Nardwarda Human Serviette Organization, you know, so you could rent it out for punk gigs to serve the youth. Wicked. Darwin Dees, I understand that you are bringing back the headband. 
I guess. Headband rock is cool again, isn't it? Like, you're wearing a headband right now. Uh-huh. I've loved headbands, but I've been always afraid to wear them. How come you're not afraid to wear a headband? What made you make the step? You know, I don't know. It's just something I started doing a while ago, and it stuck. And, you know, once you get used to the amount of shit you have to take for something like that, then you become desensitized to it. And then you can do you're free to do what you want you know i'm sure you imagine like I, I bet you take a lot of shit for being different but you get used to that and you continue to rock on as nardwar the human serviette and so you know what i'm talking about oh i do exactly and i do get scared because one of my idols was keith morris of the circle jerks of the circle jerks and he always wore a head Band. And I want to wear one, but then punk rock and headbands don't really go together. But he didn't care. He just wore it. So I think it's great you're bringing back to punk rock. Because, of course, you are a punk rocker, aren't you, Darwin Dees? Oh, I don't know. You're bringing back the headband to punk rock. Thank you. My pleasure. Why is $8 an important number? I can't say it. I think it's an indicator of success. The more your ticket prices are, then, you know, you, you graduate venues, and then you kind of, like, your ticket prices go up, and then it's, like, an indicator of how successful you are on part of other bands on that on that bill. I thought it also was a magic number for clothes. $8 is the magic number to spend on clothes. You can't spend any more. Oh, is it? Yeah. I bought a couple things for those suitcases over there were, like, 5 and $7, and stuff from Goodwill tends to be $8, I guess. Because when you go shopping, and Darwin goes shopping a lot. We went twice a day. $8, that's something to set the goal at, right? No more than 8 I think this was about $8, and that made me feel good when I bought it, and I love it a lot, so. But you're kind of sad because your band Friends are not here right now. Yeah, you probably know what happened to them. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we'll tell you. Their van, first of all, their van caught on fire, but then they rented another one, and then they were turned away at the border. And now they're not here in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. But Darwin Dees is to continue on the excitement. And speaking of different areas and stuff, Darwin Dees, I saw you, and clothing, wearing a WFMU shirt singing about a ball sack. Oh, yeah, right. Can you tell the people about that? Good shank, ball sack, WFMU. Uh, the, the specific line was uh, relating to pulled pork inside of said sack. And that was written by... Uh, my brother in love, Toby Goodshank. And that was a song you were playing on the internet wearing a WFMU shirt. WFMU equals ball sack. Yeah, yeah, basically. Could you tell me the importance, Mr. Darwin D's number four, about the beach fossils? Uh, I don't play in the beach fossils, but Cole does. Cool. Mr. Darwin D's number uh, two. Could you tell me the importance of the Beach Fossils? You know, they're just a famous band of, like, superstars. It's kind of it. You know, they're going on. NBD. NBD. Who are the superstars that surround the aura that is Darwin D's? Could you give us a little background, a quick crash course? Oh, well, Cole... I mentioned Friends, right? And we got f Fossils. Fossil Friends. Fossil Fuels. Uh... Uh, Cole has performed in numerous bands. He's our link with history. Uh, so he's performed in the Beach Fossils. He's performed in Total Slacker. He's performed in the Young Adults, Soft Black. And Andrew's performed in Shilpa Ray and her Happy Hookers, his own band, Creaky Boards, of which I've also been a part. And what am I forgetting? Oh, a few others that he's not super proud of. <laughs> and uh, Greg's performed in the Tollywood All-Stars and other... One other one that I can't remember. And Ma Michelle Dorrance, Mash D's, has performed in the Cast of Stomp, and she's 
tap dancing professional. Greg, what was it like playing with the band Hurts in England? You know what? I missed that tour because my brother got married. I'm sorry all my questions for Greg have just totally been shot down. Hurts, fossils, I'm sorry. It's okay. What was it like playing with the Hurts in England? I also missed that tour. <laughs> We're very into you kidding? Is this a setup here? This is true. Two in a row. Zero out of two. We did play with her. Uh, what was it like playing with her? Did you miss that tour? Uh, I was asleep. <laughs> Just kidding. What was it like? It was very epic, and there was not a lot of room on stage due to uh, lighting, which they had brought for themselves. The Darwin D's experience can be traced to an important record, and I would like to give you a gift of this record because I know that you love this record. What can you tell people about the peanut butter... Jelly time. Oh, sweet. The Buckwheat Boys. This is great. Well, this is a dance that we did especially a lot in the summer festivals to kick off our set. And no, let's backtrack for a second. This is a dance we did. Could you explain to the people what goes on? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we do a dance to this song, and we would uh, start our sets with it, that dance, and then we would do other dances during the show, And but this is the one that people like a lot, and thank you. Oh, no problem. So you're playing your instruments, and then you break into song, or the song is broken into? What happens? We play, and then we break into dancing, and then we go seamlessly back into performing music, and then we go back into dancing, and, and then eventually the show's over, but you're still smiling. Now, now, one thing I did see on the internet, though, Greg, was dance rehearsals. Yeah, they're fun. Like, you guys put your dance rehearsals on the internet. Gotta get candid. Not necessarily the performances. There are performances, but I love that the performances before I eat rehearsals are there. Yeah, that's Andrew's blogging. Yeah, I, you know, you just gotta, you gotta, you gotta feed, you gotta feed the fans. What do you think about dancing and stuff? Does it have a little bit of okay go in there at all? Uh, yeah, it does. I see the similarities. Yeah. What do you want to talk about, Damien Coulash, Andrew? <laughs> afraid to talk about OK Go. That's great. John Mayer, OK Go. Nothing is sacred for Darwin D's, is it? You're into anything. I'm into anything and everything. Today, we, yesterday, we listened to a lot of trance on the way out to Seattle. And that's what you do. You like to share, don't you? You like to share with people. That's why you do these dances, right? Isn't it to share? You like to share? Yeah. Darwin, what is July 10th? July 10th is Silence Day for, May, for Baba Lovers. And could you explain a bit about that? Mayor Bobber. Mayor Baba is, is Mayor Baba. Mayor Baba is a spiritual master that my parents discovered in the 70s. They raised me to follow and appreciate him, and he kept silence for the last 44 years of his life, starting on July 10th in 19 uh, something 44, 54, 44, 45. And, you, and apparently, if you look into space, you can see his face. What? I don't know about that. That's what I heard. His face is in space. Who said that? Some hippies on the internet? Yeah, I think so. Well, I'll look for it. I think that you're talking about the man in the moon. Darwin D's band. Who would you think is the most famous person that has come to one of your gigs that you wished never came to one of your gigs? Could it be Chris Martin of Coldplay? Oh, that was a, that was a fictional, that was a fiction, fictitious story. Yeah. I love the story, though. How does the story go? Well, uh, we, you know, we were joking around on the internet. I was, I was joking around the internet. Darwin was in my band, and uh, we ended up causing a big debacle. Creaky boards. Creaky boards related the to uh, the baklu. Mm-hmm. We 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 pranked them. We pranked them, and it blew up. 
And did you get any lawyers' notices, or what happened? What well, can you tell the people about pranking? Get a bit of background on it, please. People just started telling me that um, the Coldplay song sounded like the song that I'd been playing all year, and uh, I was just gonna kind of like write people, write some whiny emails about it to my friends and get get out of my system. And then one of my friends said, "You should make a video about this," and it sounded fun, so I did it. And you know, a few days after, Coldplay's manager was calling me up while I was at work and wanting me to take it down. And I told them... You want to open for them? I told them I'd think about it, and but I didn't mean that. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, for uh, for a week, it was it was my first 15 minutes. Did it open any doors for the creaky boards? Um, uh, you know, there was a little... We I got on um, this show, Attack of the Show. Um, the host of it was that guy from Singled Out. Um, and then we went over to Switzerland a few months later. And we, when we got to the venue, there was this sign, and it was like Switzerland, 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 Creaky Board, Switzerland, 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 um, Coldplay, Switzerland, Switzerland, Viva La Vida. So, like, you know, people were very interested in it for <laughs> yeah. six months to a year. And, of course, Darwin, you were in the boards at that time. Or are you still in the boards? The boards are, are defunct as of 2000. Nine. Nine. So, yeah, I'm not in it anymore. How about Alicia Silverstone? Oh, she's so beautiful. Now, didn't you meet her? Didn't she come to one of your gigs? You want to play her harmonica? I met her at Angelica Kitchen. She came in to eat at Angelica Kitchen. She... She shot the movie The Crush in Vancouver. Remember The Crush? I don't remember that movie. All you can remember about that movie, there's a naked guy's butt in it. <laughs> That's all I remember about that one. This is the most fun interview we've ever done. Oh, well, thank you so much. <laughs> well, I'd like to ask you something there, Darwin. Some more information. I'm getting a lot of information out of you. Safe Men, the movie Safe Men. What can you tell people about that? It's so fucking funny. You should watch it. It stars Sam Rockwell, Paul Giamatti, Steve Zahn, and uh, who am I forgetting? Mark Ruffalo. And it's really funny, and it's directed by uh, somebody who went on to make other popular funny movies, such as Zoolander, if I'm not mistaken. And it's one of the best unknown indie comedies of the 90s, period. Go watch it. Darwin D's, filled with so many great YouTube vids. It's true. Some true, some... False. Some false. What are your favorites? Well, what I was thinking was, it's really great when you guys talk about and have it written right down here, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> yeah, we had a big Red Hot Chili Peppers phase recently, and then it spread, like, to these guys. But it started with the book? Start it kind of did start with the book, yeah. Anthony Kiedis' book. Uh, well, ghostwritten via uh, Ratso uh, Sloman, yeah. You had to put that in there for a little clarification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the book Scar Tissue has a whole bunch of neat stuff in it. Are there any neat little tidbits in there? Is there anything about his acting, Anthony's acting, when he was younger? Uh, the thing that the thing that struck out to me was um, when they were 15 years old, they would go up on at, at the busiest intersection in LA. They would go up on this billboard and dance naked for all the cars going through the intersection. And then um, 10 or 20 years later, they were actually plastered on those billboards themselves. So it seemed kind of like that was where they meant they, they were meant to be. There were fun things like that in that story. And Anthony's dad was an actor. Yeah. And he did a bit of acting. Have you seen any of his movies at all? Oh, Blackie's movies? No, Anthony's movies. Uh, Chase? We, we watched a little bit of something on YouTube, I think, but it was like a like an afternoon uh, special type of thing, right? Exactly. It might have been called, quote, Jokes My Father Told... Me. Yes, jokes my father told me. Darwin D's, this is the language that goes on in there right now. <clears throat> 
Jimmy, can you tell me why there's a cock on top of the weather vane? I don't know. Anthony Kiedis replies, he's nine years old at the time, well, because if you used a pussy, the wind would blow right through it. Oh. Uh... Anthony Kiedis. <laughs> Early Anthony Kiedis when he's nine years old, given her. Cole, damn it, that's, that's what he went by. And that's what I was wondering, if that was in the book there at the time, like if you read about any of that stuff. We read about his first drug experiences, nothing, kind of acting stuff. He was making money, his dad was taking the money, Blackie was taking, taking his cut. Blackie, damn it. Black Toto is important, isn't it, Deez? I love Toto. And I was curious, again, you Deezers taught me a bit about Toto here. It's all about rough and smooth. I don't get it. Rough and smooth? <laughs> well, there's some really good, really, really classic synthesizer slash guitar solos on the record entitled Four. And, you know, Andrew and I were just enjoying them on the road one day. And I like to, Andrew and I like to analyze music, so that's all it is. It's just fun to analyze. It's kind of sad also about Toto, how one of the guys died in a gardening accident. Yeah, that was the, you're talking about the drummer, right? Yeah, I, I didn't remember the details of that, but I didn't know he died untimely. That's why it's great you can continue on the memory of Toto, not that they need help continuing on the mo memory because they're still rocking, aren't they? Yeah, I guess they're still rocking. I think one of the guy's sons plays drums or bass or something now, but they, they still tour, and I think they just put a new album out, but I don't think anyone cares. Did Darwin once mention something about sex? Yeah, all the time. <laughs> what exactly does Darwin mention about sex? Uh, what does he not mention? Well, I guess I was curious. Does he mention a specific, a number of times he's had sex at all, Cole? I think he maintains a bit of an abstinent lifestyle. I think it was three, four, three. 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 I'd heard you only had sex three times. Well, with three people, more than three times. And I was thinking, is that because there's only 10,000 spurts allowed and you're afraid that you'll run out? What? 10,000 spurts? What? You only get 10,000 spurts and then it's over. Who said that? Well, that's why I thought you were doing only three or four times of sex. No, no. I have plenty of sex, but only with a few amounts of people. What is ATC? Uh, avocado, tomato, cheddar. And that's at the dojo? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, the dojo. What is the ATC dojo? <laughs> <laughs> the dojo is a, a restaurant that I used to love in... Uh, on St. Mark's in New York, and that's a good sandwich. And if Michelle were here, she would love that you brought, just brought it up because that was a favorite of hers that she passed on to me. But I can't eat cheese anymore, so, yeah. You love food too, don't you, Andrew? Sure, I love cooking, yeah. But you also love pie. Do I? <laughs> you love the pie tasters. Oh, yeah, yeah. You love ska. Thank you for liking ska. You were excited that Dickie Barrett guested with the Taipei Pipe. I was really excited <laughs> to see Dickie Barrett. Yeah, Clutch Cargoes, Pontiac, 1997. Wow. <laughs> were you like an old ska guy then? Uh, yeah, uh, 15. That was, that was the music that uh, took me under. Took me to, you know, under pop radio to whatever was next, the next layer. Does that mean you're not into ska anymore? No, no, I still love ska. We were uh, playing Real Big Fish in our car yesterday, I think. This is great. Toto, Real Big Fish, John Mayer. Nothing, nothing is afraid for Darwin D's to tackle. That's so true. Winding up your Darwin D's band, is it true, Darwin D's, Darwin Smith, do you actually like Hillary Clinton more than Obama? I would have voted for Hillary if I had voted at all. Now, why is that? What did you first get into the Clinton? Is that a South thing? 
I don't know. I just, I feel like, I just like her as a person, and I felt like she had, you know, some experience in the White House, and I like that she stood by Bill. I just wanted Bill back in the White House, God damn it, you know? But oh well, you know, I don't really care about politics, so that's why I didn't vote, so. Yeah. Have any politicians come to any of your gigs? Not that I know of. What's the closest thing to a politician has been at one of your gigs? Maybe you. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all, Darwin D's? Nothing. Thank you for having us. Dude, dude, loot, dude. Well, thanks so much, Darwin D's. Keep on rocking in the free world and do, 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 loot, do. Do, do. You're listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, Darwin D's with Constellations. And before that, an interview with Darwin D's. And we have a caller 
on the line. Hello, caller. Are you there? I'm here. Who are you? My name is Lou Barlow. Lou Barlow, welcome to the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show. Great to be here. How the hell are you? I'm okay. You are Lou Barlow. Lou, could you give a background on what you've been Lou Barlowing? I.e., who's in the Lou Barlow band and who's in Sebado? Like, you are Lou Barlow. Who's in Sebado? Because you're coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And I guess I was curious, who's in Sebado? Jason Lowenstein, who's been my longtime partner in Sebado. And Bob D'Amico is playing drums. And he is... uh, he knows Jason. They play together in the band Fiery Furnaces, and they've been playing together for about seven or eight years. How about other people involved with you, Lou? Like, for instance, Rawl. Rawl from the punk band FYP had been playing with you for a little while. What's his connection? Rawl from FYP. That's right, Rawl. He's actually coming over to my house, like, momentarily to deliver T-shirts that he has silkscreened for the tour. He's an amazing player. He also plays in the Leeches, a great band that has keyboards and garbage bags. What can you tell the people about Rawl? <laughs> Rawl is an awesome guy who lives in P- San Pedro, California, and he uh, plays in Mike Watts' band, The Missing Men. He's, uh, he's one of the greatest people that I've ever toured with. He has this amazing attitude, uh, and he still screens T-shirts on the cheap. <laughs> Which I, so I'm taking advantage of that for this upcoming Sebado tour. How did you meet also, him? He threw Mike, I guess through Tom Watson, who was playing with Mike Watt. And uh, actually, the Mike Watt and the Missing Men opened up for uh, Dinosaur Jr. And I met Tom and Raoul then, and we hit it off. And when I needed to, when I wanted to put together a solo band, I just, I thought of, I just gave Tom a call, and we hooked it up. Tom and Raul played with me. It was great. We, t- we did like three tours last year. Lou Barlow, when you came to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, a few years ago with the new folk implosion, you brought along Ahmad and Russ. What are Ahmad and Russ doing? Because they were part of Sebado at one point, weren't they? Well, Russ was. Russ was the... Was, Russ was the uh I wouldn't say the final drummer for Sebado because we obviously are continuing, but he played on the, the last Sebado record, which was called The Sebado. And uh, he now has a band called Everest, and he is a singer. He's the main guy, the singer, songwriter, guitar playing, lead vocaling guy in that band. And they play quite a bit with Neil Young, and they're on Neil Young's label. And Russ has apparently met Neil Young now. And Ahmad Wasif has, is a solo artist now. And he, he played briefly with the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, and then he just went fully solo, and he's put out a record, I think, last year, this sort of epic hard rock record. Um, he's, very, he's a really amazing person. Always Very interesting people traveling with Sebado, and we're speaking here to Lou Barlow from Sebado, who's coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, next Friday to the rickshaw. Sebado are playing the rickshaw next Friday, February 11th, and you're also doing a special acoustic in-store at 7 p.m., set up by Zulu Records and BackstageRider.com. Michaela, you're doing an in-store as well, two gigs in one day and the in-store is free at Zulu next Friday, right, Lou? That's, a, that's right. Are you doing that on your whole tour, a bit of acoustic free action in record stores and in the Sebado later on? Is that happening on this whole tour? No, I, I'd like it to be, but I, I'm not, 
Yeah, it's not happening. <laughs> I think the Vancouver thing will be kind of special. So there's nothing else quite like that lined up. More I like to do that. I, I, I really like to do that in general. As I mentioned, always traveling with interesting people. You used to travel with Mike, Mike Flood. He was the cool guy. Was that his official title, the cool guy? Because people would tell me, yeah, Sebado were on tour, and they brought this guy along. I don't really know what he did, but they called him the cool guy. The cool guy. Was that Mike he Flood? Was, he, he uh, God, he's just another one of these. I just, I've met so many amazing people in my life who are just that when they step into a situation they i don't know they bring they, they sort of bring the best out of people or the worst either they bring either the best or the worst out of the people that they meet and they and just following people like that around and having them and traveling with people like that is just uh for me i'm a i'm a kind of a shy person and uh i just god i so you're mentioning there's just so much to say about my flood i can't even but he he, he now he he He's, uh, he's a salesman. He lives in Cape Cod, and he just had his first, uh, first child, like, three or four months ago. And you first met him because he jumped up on stage naked except for a banana? Uh, that's not entirely true. He, he, he lived, he's from Northampton, Massachusetts, or he lived there at the same time that myself and uh, Jason Lowenstein and Eric Gaffney did, and he was uh, just uh, this... Got a, you know, for lack of a better uh, title, a guy on the scene. He was very, of course, very cool, but also kind of an anarchist. You know, I think that's probably <laughs> like it's just the the attribute of being an anarchist, like the, being a being able to walk into a situation and just kind of explode it with his. And he's incredibly insightful, very funny, and then also underneath that, kind of angry as well, which made things really interesting. <laughs> It's neat to be able to put so much trust into him, this medium sort of out of the blue like that. No, we, we didn't meet him exactly out of the blue. He's, he's a trust, he was a trusted, known, known, known to be chaotic quality <laughs> about him. And, yeah, I don't know. He's just, you know, these are good people, like good people, and you want to be around them. And, and especially back then, it was like, gee, come on tour with us. Like, okay, you know, before, before we had too much stuff going on and before people were having children and... You know, life was, uh, before life kind of, I don't know, <laughs> made its roles for us. But. Lou Barlow of Sabado coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And if anybody has any questions for Lou, it's 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR, or you can tweet at Nardwar. And actually, right off the bat here, we've got a few tweet questions for you, Lou Barlow. And right off the bat, Joke, Joke, Joke sends, please ask Lou to email me the tab for homemade. The tab. Are you into tabs? I know. To me, that's a soft drink. I have no idea. I understand that there's something, it's, it's something that you can a way of illustrating the way to play a song on guitar, but I have no idea how to do them. Um, the song itself was written on a, a four-string open-tuned open guitar. I, it would be very difficult for me to do that, and don't make me do it. Oh, we have a call. The tabs makes me tired. When I hear that, like, tab, guitar tab, I actually get tired, like, just, just hearing it. 
Caller, are you there? Lou Barlow. Go ahead. Ele Electronic Frontier Foundation. Cooper. Hello, caller. Are you still there? <laughs> Any response to the caller at all, Lou? No, no. I just felt like I was, that actually made me feel like I was on a radio show. And you are indeed on the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show on CITR, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Lou Barlow, you are in Sebado, aren't you? Oh, yeah. What I was wondering about is, it seems like websites still don't get Sebado. Like, they don't get Sebado. For instance, consequenceofsounds.net had this news item, quote, Dinosaur Jr. side projects hit the road. And this was talking about your upcoming tour. And I kind of thought, I thought you had broken free of that. Are you back now to being a Dinosaur Jr. side project? I hadn't heard you refer to that in years. I know. I think I have. I don't think we've really, I don't think we really have much resonance or I don't think we've really penetrated the, the new generation of, of hipsters and writers and things. I think we're, I think the magic of Sebado has kind of eluded a lot of people <laughs> or they don't know yet or something. I don't know. It's, yeah, our time is kind of, this is not exactly our time, I've noticed. Like Sub Pop Records, for instance, will not, they're meant to put out the bake sale reissue, but they've decided not to actually do a physical release of the record. So I'm, I'm, which I'm getting the, I'm sort of getting the impression that uh, we have been, that uh, people don't realize how important we are. <laughs> Would Merch be able to take up the slack on that? No, unfortunately, I. Like when you yeah. sign to a record label, Lou Barlow, you're probably a good person to ask this. Like I signed to a record label, I'm Lou Barlow. Are you stuck to Sub Pop? If they won't put it out, could you get somebody else to do it, or is it kind of complicated? It's kind of too late. That's the whole thing. Sub Pop had kind of promised to do it, or they said they really wanted to do it, and then when it came down to it, they don't want to do it. And they kind of waited until the last minute to kind of make tell us that, which was kind of... <laughs> but, you know, there's so many other... Like, we have... I'm, we're on Domino Records pretty much worldwide. That's a label that I've had a really long relationship with, and they are very diligent about putting out our... They're, they're really into putting out Sebado reissues. They're very diligent about actually following through with them and keeping us on keeping us on to it and uh you know but the thing with sub pop is definitely it's unfortunate but it happened and that's it caller are you there i am here go ahead to lou barlow Hello, on Sebado. hey how are you i'm good how are you i'm good i just wanted to ask you a question about the show that you guys did in vancouver uh regarding remember you played the rage do you remember that show at all it was in downtown Vancouver, and you had Godhead Silo open for you. Okay. Do you remember it at all? Uh, do I specifically remember it? Well, do you remember touring with Godhead Silo at all? Of course I do, yeah. Okay, do you remember them playing the one-note solo for minutes and stuff? Of course, they did it every night. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. All I, all I could say is I just wondered if you still were in touch with those guys or knew what they were doing and stuff like that. No, I know that... Um I know that Mike's a bass player guy, had a band called Enemy Mine. He was sort of a mysterious character. I never really kept in contact with him after that. Dan the drummer was an illustrator and a really, a really nice guy, but I don't think they really, they didn't stick it out for too much longer after we were with them. But that was kind of a long, it was funny having them open for Sebada was like sort of the tradition that we had back then when, the, when Sebada was at its most popular, we had the most extreme bands open for us. 
and Godhead Silo would, were one of those bands. They were amazing. Could you describe the rest of the show, Caller? How did Sebado do, Caller? They were... <laughs> <laughs> they, I don't know. Why don't you ask the person in Sebado about that? I think Godzilla left a lot of people scratching their noggins a bit, you know. Yeah. And uh, you know, afterwards, it seemed that it was like it, we were not ready for the bombast that was Godhead Silo. It seemed. Yeah. But, we, we would just we would kind of put a whole weird. We would have bands open for us that would just put a really weird feeling on the night. You know, <laughs> like people would just be like. What was that? Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what it. What happened? And then it, it, it kind of like it kind of set us up in a really weird way, and it was funny that we were compelled to do that. Was that an influence of Fugazi? Because one of your earlier gigs was opening up for Fugazi. Were you returning the favor for bands? Maybe, yeah. You know, I think that was always. I think for me, like my experience with music was there's a lot of confrontation involved. You know, it wasn't like oh, we're going to have a nice show and these bands really go well together. It was more like you really want to get dissonance happening. Like there was, there was just always something. One of my, first, my just an impulse that I have with music is to create that kind of dissonance. You know, like even though, yeah, I, I write. I've been known to write like pretty poppy songs, and Sebado definitely went through a period where we were pretty access, almost accessible. And but there was, and because of that, there was also like that urge, like you know, we got to throw something in here. We got to like, you know, we got to shake it up. You know. Did you end up covering Reject by the Necros when you opened for Fugazi? Because you had said that you were going to play Reject by the Necros when you opened for Fugazi. What do you remember about opening for Fugazi at all, Lou Barlow? Well, it was Jason and I. It was our very first, the very first Sebado tour, and it was Jason and I. And Eric Gaffney had left the band two weeks before the tour, and so we were like we were actually a fully functioning electric rock band, and. Uh, doing pretty well you know and eric kind of ditched us at the last minute and uh so jason and i went it's kind of the semi-acoustic duo and uh where we would play like tambourine with our feet and uh just do this i would play four string guitar and jason played bass and uh you know i remember it like i thought it would be really hard like i was like man it's gonna be really hard playing for you know opening for fugazi this way but it actually turned out to be really really cool even though we, we actually sat down and played you know, semi-acoustic before Fugazi at a very, at a pretty volatile time, you know, I think, you know, that was still, like, there was still a, a lot of, uh, you know, bands, I mean, audiences would slam dance, and, but Fugazi kind of pulled it off, you know, like, they have, just their vibe is so, was so great that they could, that the, and, you know, Ian was such a, <laughs> such this interesting figure that he could, he could kind of make it happen, you know. Was anything thrown at you? Because Beat Happening opened for Fugazi a couple times, and they had stuff thrown at them. But Calvin of Beat Happening shot back at the audience, because this actually happened in L.A., something to the effect of, somebody broke my nose, dumped the whole balcony, which is a reference to, like, a Germs live LP. Like, Calvin yeah. could give it back. Was anything thrown at you? And if anything was thrown at you, did you give any punk rock back to the audience? Because you coming from the punk rock heritage, the deep wounding, <laughs> You know, I mean, you're ready for this. No, you know, that's, uh, it was kind of the thing. It didn't, it really wasn't an issue. I don't, nothing like that happened to us. It was really non-confrontational, and I didn't, I didn't think that would be the case, but somehow it, it was, it didn't, it worked out in our favor. But they also couldn't see us. We were sitting down. <laughs> and generally, we were playing kind of punk rock clubs with low stages, so uh, people couldn't see us to throw anything at us. Oh, genius, Lou. Lou's suggestions <laughs> not to get hurled that stuff at you if you're opening for Fugazi. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs>
And you're still listening to the Nardwar de Human Serviette Radio Show. And Sabado are coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada next Friday night to the rickshaw in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And Lou, who we're speaking to live right now, if you have any questions for Lou, it's 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. Or you can tweet at nardwar.com, N-A-R-D-W-U-A-R, at nardwar, or just at nardwar, not .com, but just at nardwar. You can tweet at nardwar. But Lou is also doing, co-presented, Lou is going to be co-presented by backstage writer Michaela and Zulu Records next Friday night as well for a free gig. So 7 p.m. for free at Zulu Records and then later on in the evening at the Rickshaw Theatre in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Lou Barlow, so much has happened since I talked to you last at the Tomahawk Barbecue in North Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Do you remember the Tomahawk Barbecue in North Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada? I was really worried about you that day, Nardwar, because you ate a sandwich that was so enormous, and you were sweating as you were finishing the last bites, and I actually thought you might have to be hospitalized. Well, I was doing it for you because the tomahawk holds a special place. I did end up in the hospital a couple of years earlier after eating okay. at the Tomahawk, but not this particular time. <laughs> actually, it was totally really after, after eating at the Tomahawk. It, it was actually five days after eating at the Tomahawk, but it had nothing to do with the Tomahawk. I did find out afterwards. It was just something in my brain that was ready to go off for years. Oh. And the Tomahawk actually saved my life because they took a photo of me in the hospital wearing the Tomahawk headdress, which brings us back to the Tomahawk. The Tomahawk is a very unique place. I don't know if you remember the specifics of it, but you get a headdress. You know, you get to wear like a cardboard headdress at the Tomahawk while you're sitting at your table. And this is why it was important for me to take you there, Lou Barlow of Sebado, because when you're sitting at your table, you look over to the kitchen and who cleaned dishes in the kitchen? Uh, oh, God, it was like someone from DOA or something? Wait. No, it was somebody you covered. Oh. Oh, God. Oh, Brian Adams. Brian right. Adams! <laughs> so that's why, for me, it was so important to bring right. you to the Tomahawk. and right. to, we went to the kitchen. To, <laughs> yes, to eat at the Tomahawk, to show you that, because you had covered Brian Adams years before. So it was important right. for me to eat the Skookum Chief hamburger, which was yep. bacon and eggs for breakfast, lunch is the wiener, and dinner, meat and cheese, all in one giant burger. Since then, I've brought a couple other bands there. I brought the Cribs from England there, and they added fish and chicken to the burger so in a way i was wimping out by not eating the full thing there but that was at the tomahawk barbecue because you covered brian did you are you covering brian adams still lou barlow no i mean i i haven't played that in a while but i would i suppose like if i really had the time and (laughs) i love that song you know run to you it's a fine song sebado's got back together since then the original lineup Dinosaur Jr.'s back together, and Deep Wound, your hardcore band, has got back together. That's a lot happening since we ate at the Tomahawk. That's right, yeah. And actually, I have some further questions for you, Lou Barlow, from me, Nardwar to Human Serviette, regarding the Tomahawk. And actually, I'd like to refer to a Dinosaur Jr. timeline written by Cam Lindsay from Exclaim Magazine, July 2009, Page 9. This is a timeline about your other band, Dinosaur Jr., Lou Barlow. Yep. 2003. Nardwar, the human serviette, interviews Lou 
and the folk explosion. And, and this is you describing this whole thing, or this is the writer describing it. Five years later, Lou tells Plan B magazine, it is the weirdest interview experience, saying a guy in Vancouver, Nardwar, interviewed the folk implosion for his TV show while eating a specialty sandwich that has three pounds of meat on it. Sausage, hamburger, ham, and cheese. He was sweating and visibly uncomfortable comfortable doing so. <laughs> I said that. Yes, well, you, that's true. You did. I, I think I said exactly, almost exactly that just you confirmed it. three minutes ago. Thank you for keeping up with that and exactly remembering that all these years. So I searched for more info, and I actually came across something. Was there a guy that was on tour with you called Keenan at all? What's his name? Was there a guy called Keenan or Kyle on tour with you when we brought... Oh, yeah, Keenan, yep. Because yep. Keenan posted on Flickr, met Nardwar in Canada when he interviewed Lou Barlow at a fast food place. He smelled weird and ate one of the biggest hamburgers I've ever seen. He was funny, though, and his post continues. Somebody asked Keenan, what does he smell like? And Keenan <laughs> replied, Vaseline and sweat socks. So I'd oh. like to apologize to you, Lou Barlow. Sorry if I smelled. I was just trying no. to go for it and give you the <laughs> ultimate experience at the Tomahawk <laughs> Barbecue. You know, I don't remember anything about the way you smelled, so don't worry about that. You remember to sweat, though. As far but as I know, you smelled like aqua velva. I have no, you know, I, yeah. And we have a caller. Oh. Oh. So, sorry, Hello? I... I, I disconnected the caller. Caller, if you want to phone back, 604-822-247-UBC-CITR. Right now, actually, we have a tweet question for you, Lou Barlow. And this comes from somebody called Murph Quake. Murph Quake. Murph Quake. Murph Quake asks, what's your favorite Dinosaur Jr. song? My favorite Dinosaur Jr. song? In a Jar. We also have a question here from Left for Damien, which could be Damien from the band Fucked Up from Toronto. I'm guessing maybe that could be him. And he, do you know Damien from the band Fucked Up at all, Lou? Yeah, yeah. Lou and Lou and. Of course, yes. I, I was, I was, I called you Lou. How dare I call you Lou? But I was thinking Lou actually did some gigs with Fucked Up, didn't they? Uh, no, no. 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 Not at all? Left for Damien asks, ask Lou, who's the hardest mosher in Boston hardcore? And would he let Choke cut his hair? What? Wait, what was about, what, what, what about Choke then? I'm sorry. Left for Damien asks, ask Lou, who's the hardest mosher in Boston hardcore? You know, in Boston hardcore. Oh, I know, of course. That would be like the... Yeah, the SSD guys, like Al Barrel, I think his name was. Those just the scare. Uh, the guys that were like hockey players. The guys in it, like an SSD, especially Al. Choke was fierce, definitely. And would you let Choke cut your hair? I would, because he's actually quite a. He's a, I'm, my wife worked at a publishing company in Boston, and there was a guy there named Jack, and he was a uh, a Smiths fan, and he wore like a sort of like suit jackets to work, and he was really nice, and uh, he asked my wife to a Buffalo Tom show, like, would you like to go to a Buffalo Tom show? And uh, she said I, they didn't end up going, but it turned out that Jack was actually Choke. 
which was a total mind blower. Like he was actually a kind of an indie rocker, or he sort of mutated into an indie rocker, which is just. Yeah, there's nothing more indie rock than Buffalo Tom. That's taking me back. I haven't heard that name in ages. That's amazing. Thank you for that. Choke as his real name, Jack, invited my wife to a Buffalo Tom show because they worked in the same in the same uh, office. And you are Lou Barlow of Sebado. And Lou, we have another tweet question all the way from Colombia, all the way from Colombia, and it's from Al E. And she says, what's your favorite album of Sebado? And P.S., I think Dinosaur Jr. is good, but nothing beats Sebado. <laughs> Sebado, you want, want to know what my favorite Sebado album is? Your favorite Sebado album is? Uh, Sebado 3. Which will not be reissued by Sub Pop. No, it was reissued by Domino. Hey, you know who's you know who just came here, just showed up is Raoul. No way. Yeah, he just he just showed up. Can you put him on the line just for a quick second? Yeah, hold on for one second. Here, it's Nardwar. Hey. Hey, how you doing, Raoul? Wow, what a trip. I'm doing very good. How are you doing? Now, I'm live here on my Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show speaking to Lou Barlow, and I realized that you play with Lou occasionally, and you also I play... I sure, sure do. We spent a lot of last year doing that. And you also play in the legendary band, The Leeches. What yes, can you, The Leeches. What can you tell the people about San Pedro Hardcore, Punk Rock, The Leeches, and Lou Barlow? And, and yeah, and, and then we're all here together. I'm on the phone with you now. And what can you tell the people about that, though? The leeches, quickly, you meeting Lou Barlow. What, what can you tell people about the, about the leeches? Well, we need to start playing more often. We've, we've just been doing our, you know, our, our annual shows once a year, and that's really about it. A legendary band. You're not giving it justice there, Raul, because the leeches wear the garbage bags. This hardcore all the way, hardcore garage punk. I love that there's garage punk hidden there. But how did you meet Lou, though? You were the reason we started that band. How did you? Honestly, because of the goblins. How did you meet Lou Barlow, Raul? That's that's legendary to me. Well, it's all coming around here. This is pretty amazing. So what are you doing right now with Lou? You're delivering some T-shirts? Yes, I printed the Sebado Tour T-shirts. And if people are interested in getting you well to print T-shirts, how can they contact you? They just uh, they go to calimucho.net. And what are you rocking in right now? When you're not rocking with Lou, what are you rocking with? I'm walking. I play in a band with uh, Mike Watt and Tom Watson as well. We're going on tour next month, March 10th. We start our tour. Are you going to be heading up on the West Coast, East Coast? What's happening? We're going to go, we're doing, I think, 53 shows in 54 days. So we'll be all over. We should be in your neighborhood, too. Anything else you want to tell the people at Aurora about Lou Barlow? Why should people come out to see Sebado on tour? Because Sebado's going to kick ass on tour. When did you you first meet Sebado? What's that? When did you first meet Sebado? Meet Sebado? Were you slamming at a gig? Sebado, I actually, I met Lou on tour opening up for Dinosaur Jr. Were you FYPing at that time? Is FYP still going? No, I wasn't an FYP then. No, now Todd has a band called Toys That Kill, who are awesome. So everyone listening, check them out as well, too. And indirectly, I think Mr. Hardcore is listening to the Nardwarty Human Serviette radio show, possibly. Left for Damien. Damien from Fucked Up might be listening. Any messages at all from FYP Hardcore Legends to Legends of Hardcore from Toronto at all? Left for Fucked Up. Cut the shit and start the pit. All right. Well, thanks so much, Raul. Keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 do.
Doot, doot. All right, can you hand the phone back to Lou for a second? Love you, Nardwar. Thanks so much. Great to hear from you. Bye-bye. And you're still listening to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. <laughs> this was amazing fun we're having with the phone here, Lou Barlow. I love it. <laughs> and you've always had fun with the phone, haven't you? You loved CBs. Is that what you did on tour? You loved talking to people? Can you tell the people about talking to truck drivers? What was it like? It was, uh, it was amazing. Like we, had, we actually had two vehicles on tour. We thought we had this you know, bright idea to tour with a van and also a, like sort of a satellite vehicle. And we thought the best way, I mean, this was sort of pre-cell phones, the best way to communicate would be CB radio. So we went and bought a pair of CB radios. And, uh, and then Mike Flood, who you mentioned, I mean, part of his, uh, I mean, Mike Flood talking to truckers on, I mean, you just can't imagine. It was just, we, were, we were actually fear for our lives at sometimes because they can figure out where you, they, would, they could figure out where you were. That's what I was wondering is, did they know who you were? Did they know that you were causing all this craziness? They can figure it out. But did you have any indication, like, some truck drives by you and kind of, like, flips their hat over knowing that you're the one causing it? Did you get anywhere close to that? Not quite that close, but it, it really, I mean, you could really, you can get a whole lot of, just, I mean, uh, boy, you know, <laughs> like a lot of venom from truck drivers. You know, if you get them worked up, it, could, it can be pretty, uh, boy, you know. It was always a challenge. Like, we, we were always trying to surf that edge of being, like, completely obnoxious, but then also being respectful, you know. And it was sort of a daily challenge, <laughs> and it kept us occupied. Boy, that was the... That was the thing about it. It was a whole lot of fun. And you are Lou Barlow from Sebado, live on the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show. Oh, speaking of CBs and kind of modern technology, now we're into websites and stuff. I love that your websites is one of the few websites out there that does not use store-bought fonts. Like, you don't use store-bought fonts. You use your own fonts. You use your own writing. I love that. Yeah. What do you think of store-bought fonts? Everybody loves using store-bought fonts, don't they? Well, yes. I mean, people like fonts. I mean, they like, you know, I, for me, I, I like the look of handwritten, handwritten words and scrawl, you know? <laughs> That's what I like, you know? So when I did my own website, I thought I would just, I thought I could just scan pieces of paper. And that's what would be my website. That's what I did. It looks great. Back to Sub Pop. Were there Sub Pop Sebado leather jackets? I don't think so. Were there? I was curious. What was the greatest Sub Pop promotional item? Now you're just hoping for a physical release, but what was the... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we did, we did a really cool thing once where we... Uh, I think it was my idea to... to, to print a Sebado logo over the top of thrift store shirts. So Sub Pop bought like a ton of thrift store shirts and then then silk screened the Sebado logo or whatever we had running at the time over the top of these shirts. You know what I mean? So we'd have like, you know, like at, like at a thrift store, you could buy a t-shirt like a, you know, from the local high school, you know, basketball team. You could have like a, they would have a Sebado logo silk screened over the top of it. And I thought that was that was sort of a that was a pretty bright idea, I thought. <laughs> Lou Barlow, we have a tweet here from Northern Trans wondering about bake sale. Are you gonna play an order when you play? God no. No, no. And John Henville has a tweet question for you asking if you listen to rap at all or if you listen to reggae at all. 
Um, I listen to ska, you know, like early ska. I haven't really found too much like things that call, they, they call reggae that I really like. How about but, uh, I heard I hadn't listened to rap for a while, but then I heard this song, "Do the Dougie," recently, like in the Cali Swag District. I think it's a hit, like, like it's a massive hit, but I loved it. I can't, you know, like listen to it constantly. Was it kind of weird that you left Dinosaur Jr. and in Dinosaur Jr. ended up doing rap? Like they're on the Judgment Night soundtrack, aren't they? Oh yeah. That's right, with uh, Del the Funky Homo Sapien. Yeah, like you leave Dinosaur Jr., and then you're like switching the dial, and you turn on the, t- you know, you're watching TV, and there's the Arsenio Hall show. There's Dinosaur Jr. on the Arsenio Hall show. Are they, Ars- they, they Arsen- playing the Arsenio Hall show doing that? I they're on the Arsenio Hall show with Mike Watt on bass uh, and Mike D on drums. It's like you leave Dinosaur Jr. and they end up doing rap. They bring in Mike Watt and Mike D. But it's kind of neat because you're kind of totally into the Mike Watt thing yourself. Do you remember that at all? The Judgment Night, the rap angle. I, actually, I bought that soundtrack because there was a song that I really loved on it and I can't remember what it was. It wasn't that one. It wasn't the Dinosaur one. There was something else that was really great and I... But I, so I actually own that. But, but I thought that I thought the Dinosaur Jr. Uh, Del the Funko, Funky Homo Sapien cut was actually pretty weak. But there was something else on that track um, that was really good. But was there anything you regret? You regret that you missed out on with Dinosaur Jr. Because being on Arsenio Hall, that would be the ultimate, don't you think? Arsenio Hall. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking. I, the name Arsenio Hall. I, I thought of it as like his nail beds. Like he had really large fingernails. Really unusually large fingernails. Did you ever? Did you ever make it? It would have been interesting to see them in person to see if they were truly as strange as they looked on television. What TV shows have you made it on that are sort of legendary? Like my favorite story, and I say it over and over again, is A.C. Newman, Carl Newman from the New Pornographers, being on the John McEnroe. TV show with Al Sharpton and in performing a Sonics, a Garage 60s cover with John McEnroe on guitar. That's like my favorite moment. Have you been on any TV shows like that? Uh, well, I mean, with Dinosaur, we've, we've been on you know, Jimmy Fallon, Late Night with David Letterman. Uh, but any close to John McEnroe? No. With special Alan guests? Alan Alda was on, I think, David Letterman. <laughs> but, but remember, Al Sharpton was the guest on John McEnroe, so I think Al Sharpton beats Alan Alda, doesn't he? Absolutely. No, Al Sharpton beats all. He's awesome. Yeah. Growing up in the Boston, Massachusetts area, etc., and we're speaking here to Lou Barlow from Sebado. Lou, did you ever see the Liars or DMZ or the Chesterfield Kings or the Fuzzstones or even some of that New York garage as well? Did you ever see any of those bands like the Liars, Jeff Connolly, DMZ? Yeah, Liars, we, I did, because we, Dinosaur actually opened for them in Europe. But a lot of that stuff was just a little bit too early for me, like before I could really go to clubs, because that was mostly uh, bar music, I would say, at that time. Um, but actually, I heard the Chesterfield Kings on the radio the other day, and I was shocked because I hadn't heard them. There's, I'm, we've got a good radio station here called KXLU, and they they have some really good uh, garage shows. But I actually heard the Chesterfield Kings. Oh, yeah. They played the Cynics as well, which was kind of exciting. But anyway. What was it like opening for the Liars in England at that time? Because I know like the Miracle Workers and bands like that were really big. Yeah. Um, the Liars were kind of, I mean, to be perfectly honest, they were a little bit past their prime at that point. And uh, it was, they were a little, 
it wasn't that great. I mean, they would play, you'd kind of wait for them to play I Want to Help You Anne, that song. And uh, we had the same, a similar experience opening for the Gun Club at that, that period, too. That was like 87, 88. And they were kind of like bands that were, who had made great records, who were just a little bit, uh, you know, past their prime. But. We have a tweet. We have a tweet question for you, Lou Barlow, from Ariane, and she wonders about Mike Watt. Is Mike touring these days with a band? And whatever happened to Ed from Ohio? What happened to Ed from Ohio? Oh, I don't know. I think. He... <laughs> uh, I don't. I think he probably. I don't know. He had. I think he might have had a band after that, but I think the the Firehose experience probably was a pretty, I don't know, <laughs> I know a little too much about this stuff, so I shouldn't, I think it was hard, you know, and uh, I think it, I think the Firehouse thing ended kind of weird, and I don't know if Ed really recovered from it, and um, what was the other part of the question, what, where were we at, oh, Mike Watt, uh, yeah, and well, like as Ralph said, uh, Mike's got a, he has a solo record coming out called Hyphenated Man that he's self-releasing in, uh, in North America, and they're going on a, like what Ralph said, a 53-date you know, tour. And, uh, and actually, Sebado and uh, Mike Watt will be crossing paths and playing a show together in Montreal at La Salarosa sometime in March or early April. And winding up here with Lou Barlow from Sebado coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada next Friday night to the Rickshaw Theatre. And Lou is also doing a free in-store at Zulu Records, co-presented by BackstageRider.com. And got to give a shout-out to Michaela from Backstage Rider. Right, Lou? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hi, Michaela. She's on top of it, isn't she? Taking oh, photos promoing the band she's seen you in vancouver for years so she's helping to present something that you're going to be doing next friday as well so early on 7 p.m free lou barlow acoustic at zulu records and then later on at the rickshaw theater in massachusetts you grew up not far away from don pardo did you ever meet don pardo or cross paths oh God, with him that's right he went to westfield high he went to the same high school that i went to that was always my favorite fun fact that no one really cared about whenever I would say, Don Pardo went to my high school, and they'd be like, so? I'm like, it's Don Pardo. Don't you get it? <laughs> no one really got it. But you get it, man. You get Don Pardo. <laughs> How about his I, I, you know, I've never crossed paths with him. So none of his relatives were kicking about? No, there was no Pardos that and, I remember. And he's still in the game. He's still rocking. Actually, did you ever make did it he? to... Did you ever, yes, he's still doing the announcing. Did you ever make it to Saturday Night Live as no. just even an audience member, just watching it? What's the closest no, you thought... I saw a rehearsal once. Oh, really? I saw, what? Kind of, I saw like kind of a rehearsal where they were setting up for to a rehearsal in the studios. I was in the NBC studios, but never, never made it as far as Saturday Night Live, no. What band was rehearsing, or was it an actual, just a run-through of the actual... Sketches. It was like they were doing a, a skit or something. They were setting up for a skit. Because we were, I think it was, uh, it could have been, oh, I'm, oh no, that's, that's actually sort of a, a strange thing. Like I just happened to be in the NBC Universal Studios a couple of years ago. But. And caller, are you there? Yes. Go ahead to Lou Barlow of Sebado. Hi, I'm calling to ask if you would play Atomic Tom's single called Take Me Out. What? Atomic Tom? Yeah. Any questions at all for Lou Barlow of Sebado at all, caller? 
No, none that I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> Did I call the wrong number? No, you called the right number. It's the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show. What's the closest thing that you... Do you know Lou Barlow at all, caller? No, sorry. <laughs> can you tell us about the band that you'd like to hear? Well, they're playing tonight in Vancouver at the Media Club. And um, I heard that their single was really great, and I can't make it out to the media club, so I thought that maybe you could play their single. Now, have you ever heard of Dinosaur Jr. at all, caller? No. You haven't heard of Sebado, Dinosaur Jr.? What about the Folk Implosion? No. Have you ever heard of the movie Kids at all, caller? Kids at all? The movie Kids. <laughs> the movie Kids. Kids. You mean Kids in America? Kids in the Hall? Kids... <laughs> just, the, just the movie Kids. No. <laughs> Lou, this is your demographic right here. You have to go after. I Can know, you I'm, tell I'm, the caller something really that the caller might know about you? What's that? Can you tell the caller something that the caller might know that you participated in? Oh, God. Oh, I was in a movie called Laurel Canyon. Oh, I saw that, like, many okay, times. there we go. <laughs> many times. That was a wonderful movie. Who did you play? Yeah, I was, I was in the band in the movie. I was the... Oh, the band, yes. Yeah. Francis I, I McDormand. Did a bong hit. I did a fake bong hit of... of Great they actually, movie. like, in movies, instead of marijuana, they smoke catnip. So Is I that right? What do they smoke instead of cigarettes? Yeah. Herbs or something. Color. What can you tell people about the movie Laurel Canyon that you're now speaking to a cast member of? Oh, um, well, it's an older movie, so uh, probably the under 25s haven't heard about it. Yeah, it's, it's, a uh, it's, it's just a slice of life. It's a really realistic film that took uh, in Cal Laurel Canyon is in California about uh, a doctor and his doctor wife, and they're going back to live with her mother, I believe it was, or his mother. His mother. Can you tell me who that was? And, his um, mother. That was his, his, The doctor played by Christian Bale. His mother, Frances McDormand, was a, was a producer. With Kate Beckinsale, right? Yep, Kate Beckinsale. Yeah. yeah and the, the mother is kind of hippie flaky, and the young people are kind of um, conservative, yep. which changes. Right. That's right. Well, well I'm not going to give any more away than that. Will you play Atomic <laughs> Tom? Thank you so much, caller. Okay. I really appreciate you phoning in and doot doo do loot do. You too. Okay, we'll accept that. And you're still listening to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. And caller, are you there? <laughs> caller, are you there? Who, oh, me? Uh, okay, how about you, caller? Are you there? Yes, I am. Go ahead to Lou Barlow from Sebado. Caller, caller, yeah. are you there? Yes, yes, yes. Um, well, I have a question for Lou Barlow. Um, I wanted to know if you believed in the 2012 myth. My friend just tweeted this at you, but you didn't, you didn't read it. Oh, sorry. It's okay. The 2012 thing? Could you explain, caller, to Lou Barlow? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the 2012 myth is that the world is going to end on Dece in December of 2012. December 12th. Yeah, I bought it. I actually bought that. December 12th is uh, Murph from Dinosaur Jr.'s birthday. Oh, And wow. I actually sent away for a, a, a baseball cap that says December 12th, 2010 on it, or 2012 on it, to give to him. And I keep forgetting to give it to him. Oh. So, I have a, so I, you yeah. do believe in the myth? Uh, no. <laughs> you don't? I believe in it. No, I don't know. you got to believe I mean, in something. 
I feel like, you know, I was, I was being brought up in the 70s. Like, I've, I've had, like, the apocalypse, like, dangled over me. Right. Yeah, that's of my true. Life. How many times did you go under your desk in, in, in elementary school? Well, we were a little, I'm a little too old for that. But, uh, but the Cold War is, I mean, that, that was really intense. You know, I mean, I would have teachers pull down maps of the, the world and point at Russia and say, I don't want to, I had this one teacher from Texas, and she said, I don't want to worry your little heads about it, but the Russians are coming to get you. Yeah, <laughs> she said I, that. I mean, like, like full that's, on, like, the Cold and that's War what I lived very... through, and it was, like, all about future shock and that, you know, the world wow. that we, our resources were going to run out by the, like, 1988, you know, and wow. kind of, it's not that I'm, I don't think the world's, that I somehow don't think it's going to end, but I don't, I don't, I sort of the specific date, I think, is a little, that's a little, uh, I don't know. Too specific. Dramatic. Melodramatic, let's say. Hype, like, sort of, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Space Dog Scrotum. Really appreciate you phoning in. And do, do, I love your videos, Nardwar. Well, thank you, caller. Really appreciate you phoning in. And doot doot a loot do. Doot doo. And you're still listening to the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show. We have another question for you, a tweet question for you, Lou Barlow. We're speaking here to Lou Barlow from Sebado, and this is from Nelson Nutella. And they say, hey, at Nardwar, can you please ask Lou Barlow what it was like being in half Japanese and producing Daniel Johnston? I didn't do that. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I wonder who they could be thinking of. How many people were in half Japanese? <laughs> Do you think they mean Jad Fair? Yeah, well, I... Have you ever been... Have well, you ever, he's a guy with glasses, I guess. You have, know? Yeah, have you ever been confused with Jad Fair at all? That's pretty awesome, to be confused with Jad Fair. Has that ever happened? Uh, no. Although, I mean, you would think that it might, but no. Did you ever get approached by Shimmy Disc at all? Kramer, you know? No, but my wife was... My wife used to do... She did a... She worked at a college radio station, and she um, she would call labels and get you know promos and stuff. And Kramer was a a little uh, he was kind of interested in girl like young girls. That's what I was all about that. Uh, anyway, Lou Barlow of Sebado, Satan sucks, but you're the best. What's that? Satan sucks, but you're the best. Oh, thanks. Do you remember that line at all? Well, no. By Cub from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Oh, of course. Now, that line actually was written by Dave Carswell, who was in the band The Smugglers at the time, and he gave that line to Lisa, and then Lisa created a song around it. And you, of course, did many gigs with Cub. You did a tour with Cub, didn't you? Yeah, we did. And Lisa lives in Los Angeles now, and she, she had told me, yes, she does. Oh, I met her at Spaceland or something once, like when I first moved here, like 10 years ago. Yes, she works right. as part of the Echo Park Film Center. With, oh, wow. With Paulo there, and she had told me that you once were going to do a country duet with her? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to do Golden Ring. It was a George Jones, Tammy Wynette song. That would have been great if that happened. But what I was going to say is that kind of connects. Because Satan Sucks, You're the Best, was written by Dave Carswell from The Smugglers. At least that line. Now, Dave also wrote the famous Smugglers line, We used to love Elvis till we saw Depeche Mode. That was one of the lines from their songs. We used to love Elvis till we saw Depeche Mode. 
But what's interesting, Snow Patrol have said, we used to like Eddie Vedder till we heard... What? Sebado, <laughs> yes! <laughs> what is, I, you know, I actually got a call waiting bleep, and the first thing he said, uh, we used to like bleep. I didn't hear the rest. What was it? We used to like Eddie Vedder till we heard... Oh, got it. Sebado. So a little comparison there. We used to love Elvis till we saw Depeche Mode, but Snow Patrol, they used to like Eddie Vedder till they heard Sebado. So you're responsible for Snow Patrol. I'm apparently... Your influence is everywhere, Lou Barlow. Even me. <laughs> Nardwar to human serviette. I am, I am influenced by Sebado because people say to me, Nardwar, what is that? And I say it's like a dumb, stupid name like Sting, Sinbad, or Sebado. So it's just a dumb, stupid. Am I allowed to say that? Thank you. Absolutely. No, that's exactly. I thought it was. I thought it was better to just come up with something that didn't mean anything. Something that was just kind of, kind of dumb. And speaking of names here, winding up with Lou Barlow of Sebado. Can you speak this a tiny bit louder, Lou? Sorry yeah, for drifting sure. away. I hope I'm not keeping you from kind of no, inventory no, no. and stuff like that of your T-shirts. Dinosaur, Dinosaur Junior. You guys started out as Dinosaur, but you had to change your name, right? That's right. Now, it was because there was a 70s band called Dinosaur? Did you know that when you started the band? How did that all happen? Well, there was a band in San Francisco comprised of members of, like, the, uh, uh, Country Joe and the Fish and maybe, I mean, you know, the sort of the San Francisco psychedelic bands. There was all these sort of old guys that were in those bands, and they reformed. They sort of all got together and made this super group, and they called it the Dinosaurs, and they were in San Francisco. And this guy, Barry Melton, who was the fish and Country Joe and the Fish, and he was also, I believe, mayor of San Francisco for a while, so he was sort of versed in law and things like that. We, we got a, you know, kind of like, you got to change your name letter from Barry Melton because the Dinosaurs were, were preparing the world for the release of their, their debut record, The Dinosaurs. And we were dinosaur, and they were—they needed us to not be dinosaur anymore, so there wouldn't be any confusion with them. They sent a, they sent a very official letter to Jay Mascus, and uh, Jay brilliantly changed the name to Dinosaur Junior. And that's what I was kind of wondering about. Like, you had to change your name to Dinosaur Junior. Have you noticed now that there are tons of dinosaur bands? Like, there's Dinosaur Pileup, Dinosaur Bones, Totally Enormous Extinct Dinosaurs. Have you seen all these dinosaur bands out there? I have. I have. But it's kind of like the... But there's so many more bands with black in the title now that I, I get confused by that, too. There's just so many bands, Nardwar. And they're getting away with it. Like, they should be Dinosaur Junior, 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 or something like that. This dinosaur is going crazy. I love more dinosaurs, the better. But still, you kind of got shafted the first time around. And we actually, winding up here, have another tweet question for you. Lou Barlow, Lou Barlow of Sebado, live on the Nardwar to Human Survey Radio Show, from Denial Robots, who says, Lou, what do you think of Jay's beard? I really like it. And do you think Murph should grow one? Um, well, Murph would have that sort of strange syndrome of being bald with a beard. You know, bald with beard. It's kind of, I mean, it's kind of a big step to make, I think, for him. And we have another tweet to you, Lou Barlow, from Scientologic, who says... Ask Lou why Just Like Heaven ends like that. Oh, well, because we, we recorded the song. We recorded the whole song in the studio, and we were listening to the playback, and we thought at around the, that second 
chorus, or maybe the third chorus, uh, we were just like, God, this is boring. This is really boring, and we're starting to slow down. Like, you know, Jay noticed the drums were slowing down, and we're like, God, you know, it sounds pretty good up until that point. Like, what do we do? It's like, why don't we just cut it there? <laughs> Let's just cut it off so the, you know, the rest of the, it does, doesn't sort of peter off sort of limply, you know, like, let's just do something kind of, because it was just a cover, you know, it was just sort of something we kind of tossed off, so we thought it was perfectly fine to just end it with the scream. And, caller, are you there? Yes, I am. Go ahead to Lou Barlow of Sebado. Okay, hello, Lou, and welcome to Vancouver. Oh, thanks. Um, I'm wondering if you had a chance to read uh, sort of a preview in the Georgia Strait, uh, about your show coming up, and it says, notoriously cranky dinosaur junior bassist Lou Barlow, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then again, it mentions uh, why you should go to the show is uh, Barlow may exhibit all the charm of an of an on-the-rag Lou Reed. Yeah. <laughs> How did you ever get a reputation like that? You sound like a pretty nice guy. You know, I'd like to think I am a nice guy. <laughs> I do know that the, I do that. I do know there ha- has been times when I, I have not been nice. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not really something I make a habit out of, I don't think, <laughs> no, in my no. opinion. I mean, I, you know, it's hard for me. I mean, it's one of those things maybe, you know, something I don't see in myself. Maybe it's the fly on my face. I don't know. But, I like, I really um, – I Sounds like I an think unwarranted few, uh, The thing is, like, when you're sort of – you have your sort of moment in the public eye sure. or whatever, and if you – sort of misbehave in any of the at any, at any point <laughs> right right it, That's will, what it will resonate it's like if you yeah. toss that pebble into the pond and that and that negativity <laughs> that you you expressed will definitely come back to haunt you and and there's not like you know a million like a or you know yeah. dozens and dozens of pleasant experiences that I've had with people and great shows that I've had those those are yeah. things that will be remembered it, I'll be remembered for yeah. you know the time that I was whatever Something happened, and I didn't act the way I, I wasn't being the most pleasant person in the world. So, well, but I'm really, I've honestly, yeah, yeah. Well, no, you sound like the that sort of that person intense. somebody wanted That's, to sit down and have a beer with. So, yeah. Well, well thank you so much for phoning in, caller, <laughs> and do do the loot do. Do do. And you're still listening to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show, and Lou will be at. The Rickshaw Theatre with Sebado next Friday night in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and doing a free gig acoustic at Zulu Records at 7 p.m. And lastly, lastly, lastly here, Lou, I wanted to ask you about Deep Wound, your hardcore band. I wanted to play some tracks from Deep Wound to end the Nardwarta Human Serviette radio show. You have this EP that has like nine tracks on it. I love it. One of the tracks is even called Deep Wound. What can you tell the people about Deep Wound? Who else was on Radio Beat Records, your record label? What happened to the singer of Deep Wound? Uh, well, Charlie Nakajima is living in Amherst, Massachusetts. I think at his mom's house. Uh, he posts regularly on Facebook. I've been able to keep in, you know, touch with him that way. It's one kind of cool thing about Facebook, of course. Many, you know. But Radio Beat Records was um, a short-lived Boston label. Uh, started out of a out of a studio called Radio Beat, and they put out a record by a band called the Proletariat, which were this sort of almost like a Gang of Four influenced punk band that were sort of peripheral to the Boston hardcore scene and I think they might actually have some tracks on the Boston Not LA compilation 
But um, it was, as far as I know, it was like us, proletariat. I can't think of anything else that was on it. But. And when people are listening to this right now, what can they visualize? Is Lou Barlow on guitar? Lou Barlow on guitar, Jay Maskus with a shaved head, and uh, he apparently was extremely cute at that point, too. Like, whenever my wife sees old pictures, I have a bunch of old pictures of him on my Facebook page of us practicing in my parents' attic. He had very short hair that he would actually cut pieces out of with a razor. And he had, he had really amazing Doc Martens, and he wore suspenders, and he was just an amazing punk rock uh, fashion. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I mean, I hesitate to say the word victim because I, he's always had, I've always felt that he had a lot of integrity and <laughs> was never a poser, but he, he dressed he was dressed to the nines as a punk rocker. We had Charlie Nakajima, who was a somewhat uh, kind of a kind of a big. I mean, maybe chubby, would kind of a chubby uh, Asian American, uh, Japanese American kid with uh, pretty severe acne, singing. And then uh, we had Scott Helland, who kind of looked like Dee Dee Ramone and kind of the stature of Dee Dee Ramone. He's sort of a short guy with a really awesome like angry frog look in his face when he played and uh he was also in a band called the outpatients that were ran concurrently with deep wound and they were actually way better than deep wound and they were the best band in our scene at that time the outpatients and what year would this been like if people are thinking "Hmm, what year is this is this 82 because it was released in 83 yeah 82 that would be kind of when it hit 82 83 and we kind of the hardcore scene sort of in our eyes anyway kind of sort of faded like in 84. That's when we started to hear, we got into other music, sort of proto-indie, for lack of a better word. <laughs> so I'm going to play as much as I can of Deep Wound, and I should be able to play a good chunk because the songs are pretty short, aren't they? For instance, the song Sisters is 37 seconds. Yeah, well, it's, it's hardcore, man. <laughs> and then after that, if there's time, I'm going to also try to play something by Sebado, Punching Myself. What do you remember about the song Punching Myself by Sebado? And will that be performed on your current tour? No, but it's, it's a B-side uh, performed and recorded solo by Jason Lowenstein, um, my partner, he, who switches on and off with me. Uh, he plays bass on my, the songs that I play guitar on, and I play guitar. Uh, Excuse me, wait. he plays bass on the songs that I play guitar on, you know, and vice versa. And he recorded that. The song is called uh, Punching Myself in the Face uh, Repeatedly Publicly. And it's, uh, it's about sort of a, a, uh, you know, a relationship that he had that never really worked out. Have a good story. But I'm saying goodbye to Raul right now. Bye, Nardwar. <laughs> See you later, Raul. You're welcome. And we're speaking here yeah, still please. to yeah, please, Lou Barlow from Sebado, live on a Nardwar Human Service Radio Show. One last tweet here for you, Lou Barlow. The tweet. Are you into tweeting yourself? Are you into the tweeter? Uh, I, you know, I just, I got kids. Because <laughs> I noticed I there's... I, it's, I just think, like, tweeting and stuff, it, it, I, I, I understand it, and uh, I just don't really have the the time necessarily but maybe for a one-time offer for listeners for the nardware to human serviette radio show a one-time offer for listeners of the nardware to human serviette radio show if we didn't ask your question to lou maybe you can get some tweet answers to them if they tweet you at at lou barlow you'll do for a one-time deal on the nardware to human serviette radio show sure i'll do that and for Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada listeners of the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show, the first caller through 
to 604-822-247, 604-UBC-CATR, wins a free ticket to go see you, Lou, yeah. Barlow, and Sebado at the rickshaw tomorrow, sorry, next Friday night. <laughs> and also, people, if they don't win the ticket, they can go see you for free next Friday at 7 p.m. doing an acoustic performance at Zulu Records. So a free ticket if you call in now for the later on gig that's happening at the rickshaw with Sebado. And if you don't make that, well, go and see Lou at Zulu Records in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And this last tweet question from Waiting Deer is, ask Lou if he liked or had any relationship with the band Gumball. Personally, I listen to them, and I think they sound very alike. Uh, I didn't. I mean, I think the Gumball had sort of a, a relationship with Dinosaur, because Don Fleming and uh, the Rummager, the, the drummer, uh, actually were briefly members of Dinosaur Jr. when they recorded the Wagon single. And you call him the Rummager, don't you, because he collects eight tracks, right? I don't know. You know, I never, I really never met those guys. I never met the guy. I never met Don Fleming or the. That happened like the first single that they put out after they kicked me out of the band was the Wagon, and it it was sort of this. They got both Don Fleming and the Rummager. They did double drumming, Murph and the Rummager, and Don Fleming and Jay, and that was they were sort of a four piece. It was a very brief brief moment when Dinosaur was a four piece for the the Wagon single on Sub Pop Records. Well, thanks so much for your time, Lou Barlow. Really appreciate it. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? We're going to kick right into I Saw It by Deep Wound. But anything else you want to add to the people there at all? No, no, you know, backstagewriter.com. Support Michaela. She's awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much, Lou. Keep on rocking in the free world and do do the loot do. Do do.
Contest. 